I'm Ruthie, host of Out There, here on Valley Free Radio. Tune in for stories from the streets and paths of Northampton and beyond, Fridays from 4 to 5 p.m. Get out if you can, but if you can't get out, tune in. We don't care if we live out of date. We don't care if we live a bit late. And yes, it is Friday. There's something blocking the calendar. I'm trying to see what day it is. Friday, December 15th, says the calendar. Uh, today, Hanukkah ends. Tomorrow, the 16th of December, 2023, there's going to be a 25-mile march to Springfield from Northampton, uh, organized by Jewish Voice for Peace and other organizations to display solidarity with Palestinians in Gaza. That march, if you, well, I think it's leaving Jim McGovern's office on Pleasant Street in Northampton at 6 a.m. tomorrow morning. Yep, still dark. Uh, And actually going towards East Hampton. It's not going directly to Springfield, which is 20 miles and not 25 miles, uh, in part because that 25 miles is a symbolic distance that spans the same distance as the Gaza Strip. And if you want to sign up, I don't know, you can probably find some way online or just show up. Uh, so I've signed up and some of my coworkers are, and friends are planning on doing it or parts of it, maybe as a bike marshal. Um, but in the, one of the organizing emails I got yesterday, it said, no one's expected to do the whole 25 miles. Um, we're not trying to hurt ourselves just show solidarity with some some amount of of sacrifice. Um, so people are signing up for different stretches of it. It's going to go from Northampton to I think down South Street Route Ten to East Hampton, and then I saw the map but forgot. Then it's going from East Hampton. It's going to back out to Route Five by the Oxbow. Um, Maybe on the bike path or the the rail trail, on the Manhattan rail trail, maybe. Not sure if it's that or what, West Street. And then I think Route 5 through Holyoke and all the way down to West Springfield. And from West Springfield into Springfield, hopefully by 5 tomorrow evening. This march was originally scheduled for last Sunday, but last Sunday it rained a lot. And so it was postponed till tomorrow, which I'm kind of glad of because I was sick last Sunday. Kind of hard to march 25 miles if your shoes are sopping wet. That doesn't sound very pleasant. Not that it's about being pleasant. Anyway, you're listening to Out There on Valley Free Radio. Uh, I'm your host, Ruthie, and for today's show, beyond that, I think I'm going to play recordings from a rally in downtown Northampton in front of City Hall on December 3rd in support of Palestine and calling for a ceasefire to end the Israeli bombing of Palestine. And I'm going to play a bunch of the speakers that spoke there. Also, I might intersperse this with with trinkets, trinkets, tidbits, tidbits from my week as I recall them. Like, oh yeah, <laughs> So I have a housemate. She's 16. 
and she goes to school at Northampton High School. She's not actually on my side of the house. She's on the other side of the house now. She's a strong biker and and healthy and, and all that. And she likes to uh, get someone to drive her to school when she can, like her great aunt uh, or someone. And it's, it's 1.2 miles from our house to Northampton High School. And the first half of that being on the rail trail, totally like bike-friendly enough roads. And school starts at 9, I believe. And so a couple days ago, she came over to our side of the house asking her, her great aunt to drive her to school. And I finally said to her, I said, I said, I used her name. You, you are in the prime of your able-bodiedness. <laughs> and she said, yeah, but I'm also late. <laughs> and uh, it's about a seven-minute ride to school. I'm sure if school started at 9.05 instead of 9 o'clock, it would still be the same issue. I'm pretty sure it's a time management issue. I don't know what, actually, I don't know what the issue is, if it's time management or peer pressure or... I just don't really know because she likes to bike. Anyway, I thought, well, that seems kind of funny that you and your 16-year-old strong cyclist able-bodied self would ask your 74-year-old aunt to start up her 3,500-pound fossil fuel little beast to drive your little body 1.2 miles <laughs> in such a bike-friendly place. And that reminds me of the quote that we, we sometimes say amongst me and my friends, that rushing is violence. Rushing is violence. Yeah. I feel like so many things we do in this capitalist society is just because we say, oh, I don't have time, we don't have time, we don't have time. We don't have time to negotiate, just blow it up. Don't have time. Well, you know, when Dwayne died, that was it. Time was out for him. Kind of gives me a different perspective on time. Now, next, I... Oh, and one more thing. Other thoughts? Announcements? 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 So, today's Friday. It's 4.08, according to the studio clock. And at 5.30... This evening at the Quaker Meeting House, there's going to be a book, book, uh, what do you call it? A book opening, a book opening, book signing, book reading. What do you call it when someone makes their book public? Uh, by Tim and Wallace, who, and maybe Vicki Elson too, maybe it's co-authored it, I'm not sure. They're, uh, they work together on an awful lot of things. And the book is called Warheads to Windmills. Preventing Climate Catastrophe and Nuclear War. And Tim and Vicki are like, are very cheery, perky people. So if you want to hear a reading or talk or meet people working on dire, dire things, but with a bubbly, cheery attitude, you should go to the Friends Meeting House, 5.30 this evening. Vicki said there will be pizza and something else. They're Pedal People customers, and I did their trash pickup on the... Tuesday, so Vicki reminded me to invite people to the event this evening. 530 at the Friends Meeting House in downtown Northampton, Tim and Wallace and Vicki Elson, Warheads to Windmills, Preventing Climate Catastrophe 
and nuclear war. Now, next on my agenda of things to talk about is uh, here's another nugget from my week. So L3 Harris, they're a big military contractor here in Northampton on, up on Village Hill. They, according to their website, they, their capability is in domains of space, air, land, sea, cyber, multi-domain. Their industries are in defense, commercial, and civil. Their solutions are autonomous systems, command and control, electronic warfare, ISR and SIGINT, and uh, missile warning and defense. <laughs> um, they also allegedly have ads on the DC subway that have pictures of their missiles and says something like, moving at Mach 5, something like that. So there have been protests against them in Northampton. Um, American Friends Service Committee talks about some of the different things that they do. And I had pulled up that website, but, but I lost it. So they do a lot of things around um, surveillance and like providing surveillance mm, technology for like along the border, the U.S.-Mexico border, I think. Also providing the Israeli army with surveillance systems, etc. And also, well, they say they they say they provide surveillance solutions, but they also um, one of their employees who works here in Northampton thought that their offices should compost, and so two and a half years ago, they approached Pedal People, and so Pedal People picks up their compost, and it's brought about numerous discussions amongst Pedal People, which is a 27-member worker cooperative with monthly meetings where we discuss and decide things together, but it's brought up numerous discussions amongst Pedal People, like, what is the ethical thing to do here? Um, the profits... What we, what we get beyond just paying the carrier, we donate to um, the Refugee Resettlement Project program. Pedal People also has a tier payment system where customers can choose how much they want to pay us. And L3 Harris has chosen to pay us at one of the highest tiers, which of course means nothing to them. <laughs> um, the extra money just goes directly to the refugee resettlement pro program. Um, so yeah, so there's this question like, is that just blood money we should have nothing to do with? We don't need them as a customer. They don't need us to pick up their compost. Why are we even going on their property? There's also been situations where the carrier riding under their property with a pedal people trailer has been uh, harassed by security, I think especially since when, I don't know if it was since October or when, uh, some of the local protests against L3 Harris intensified. Um, so some of the discussion around, like, do you not provide this service? I don't know, provide this. Do you not take their compost? 
or you know, do you does what has the what's the most ethical thing to do with the best social benefit? Do you use the relationship? Can we use the relationship? Do we have any kind of leverage with this relationship? <laughs> so I've brainstormed some things like, well, maybe we could say the average pedal people customer pays X percentage of their income for our service. So we could ask L3 Harris if they wanted to, to pay that percentage of their income for our service. And if not, then we don't pick up there. Um, <laughs> or we could leave little little notes in the compost bucket. <laughs> um, little little notes of peace and love. Um, or, well, I was talking with a friend of mine who's a doctor, and she said, as a doctor, you know, I don't ask what my patients are doing. My job is to heal as best I can. Um, and so... I just try to heal without judgment. Um, and for me personally, even though I, like, I feel like I have some pretty strong ethical considerations about the world, it doesn't, I don't feel strongly in my heart that we should refuse to pick up compost from uh, someone that's making bombs and things and killing people around the world. It, for me, I just... The two don't, they don't, I, the logic, I don't know, it's not cut and dry to me. Um, but I can definitely see, I can definitely see different viewpoints on that. Anyway, that's good. That's an ongoing discussion uh, for us here in Pedal People. You're listening to Out There on Valley Free Radio. I'm Ruthie. Oh, I just remembered another tidbit from the week. So yesterday evening, that was Thursday, December 14th, there was a CONSCOM meeting, one of their regular Conservation Commission meetings. Uh, this commission is all made up of volunteers. And one of the agenda items, uh, which I found out about on Saturday when I was riding to the bike lab last Saturday. I was riding to the bike lab last Saturday and going down the rail trail near Adair Place, I saw one of those yellow yard signs that the Conservation Commission puts up when there's going to be a hearing related to something happening at that location. So I stopped and looked and read the sign, and it mentioned there's maybe four thing, three or four things on the agenda. One of them was that the city was going to redo the drainage underneath the rail trail in that location near Adair Place. Um, it will involve some cutting of trees and rebuilding building the whole embankment which is really like crumbling from I think a few decades of water rushing through but another item on the agenda was uh, that Sovereign Builders is planning on paving a piece at the end of Northern Avenue that's off of North Street uh, at the end of Northern, a Northern Avenue, near the rail trail. Um, people, motorists use that as a little turnaround. It used to be paved some years ago, a bunch of years ago. And it's sort of like crumbled. Uh, and Sovereign Builders has bought all this land on the, which side? The, what you call it, the west side of Northern Avenue. Um, and are planning on building a bunch of homes. I don't know how much of that 
area right up against the wetlands. Like they've they've had surveyors come out and and delineate where the wetlands starts. And so I think they're planning on building a whole bunch of homes in there and probably cutting down some of that beautiful woods. And but to do this, the first thing they need to do to have access to that area with motor vehicles is they need to pave the end of Northern Avenue. So that was an item on the Conservation Commission agenda, just like approving that or whatever yesterday evening. And there was a person from one of the contractors from Sovereign Builders, or from not from Sovereign Builders, but one of their contractors uh, was there to present the plan. And thanks, Paige, for inviting me to the meeting. Paige and I were the only neighbors, Northern Avenue neighbors that were there. And so, of course, we had a few things to say. I asked the Conscom during the public comment session, which there was very few public comments, but I asked him, am I allowed to give existential comments? And the moderator said, well, we just take comments that are you know, within our purview. <laughs> I thought about whether my existential comments were within their purview or not and decided I wasn't entirely sure, but I would go for it. And, um, I, you know, you know how I hate pavement. <laughs> so, I, of course, I had to say a few things about how, what a blessing it was to see that end of the road returning back to nature just a little bit. And how, if you take a walk around North Street and Northern Ave, you see so much more pavement. Like, there's always more stuff getting paved over. And so, right, the water falls, it can't drain except for all of a sudden and it washes all those oils and junk directly just like right into the stream pretty quickly and and then you know also it's such a heat sink so then if the sun's shining and then it gets cloudy and then it rains that and you got hot water washing into the streams and it's just so blazingly hot and I don't know, if people go from an air-conditioned car to an air-conditioned building, they might not realize how unlivable pavement makes a place. Uh, I noticed Saluzniak, they added some more pavement and cut down some bushes last over the summer, I think. And like you go by that place, and that pavement is black, black, black. That, And as I told the Conscom, when that, that funeral home, is the sun's beating down, that place is hotter than hell. Um, so those are my ex- existential comments about why they should not pave the end of Northern Avenue. Okay, you're listening to Out There on Valley Free Radio. And I have a song, and then I'll go to some of the speakers from the rally in support of Palestine on December 3rd.
Bruce Hornsby and the Range. Ah, but don't you believe them. Don't you believe them. <laughs> You're listening to Out There on Valley Free Radio. I'm Ruthie. Before that song, I was talking about the evils of pavement, of asphalt. And when I was looking to build my case before I said a few things at the Conservation Commission yesterday evening, I was looking online 
And the first thing that came up when I looked for evils of asphalt, well, I didn't look for it like that exactly, was this article from a science magazine that says it's not just cars that make pollution, it's the roads they drive on too. Fresh asphalt is a major source of hazardous particles. Laboratory study suggests, it says, the smell of summer in, in Los Angeles or any major city is often tinged with asphalt. A freshly paved road or a new tar roof doesn't just wrinkle your nose, however. A new study suggests fresh asphalt is a significant yet overlooked source of air pollution. And in fact, the material's contribution to one kind of particulate air pollution could rival or even exceed that of cars and trucks. Yep. It just keeps on giving back asphalt. <laughs> All right. So as I promised, here's some speakers from the Rally for Palestine on Sunday, December 3rd, 2023, in front of City Hall in downtown Northampton. Did you hear me? Oh, that's not very loud. I'm here to speak today for the newly established chapter of the UMass Amherst Faculty for Justice in Palestine. I do want to make a quick note um, that, you know, Faculty for Justice in Palestine, it's following the model of Students for Justice in Palestine. Yes, yes, Students for Justice in Palestine. Begun 20 plus years ago, 20 plus years ago. I would say 22 years ago, we began it in 2000, 2001, Students for Justice in Palestine. I happen to be part of that first chapter, and I'm so proud to see all the flowering of all the chapters of Students for Justice in Palestine across this country. But I'm here to speak about Faculty for Justice in Palestine. What is Faculty for Justice in Palestine? In response to the urgent call to establish Faculty for Justice in Palestine groups across U.S. campuses, we at US, UMass Amherst came together to express our solidarity with our students and colleagues who are organizing for Palestinian liberation and self-determination. Okay, so everyone on this side, we're going to say, down, down with occupation. Which is essentially the translation of how I started, which is Assalamu Alaikum. 
And if you're Arabic and you're not Muslim but you're Christian, it's the same saying. So I'm gonna give, I'm gonna, I, they told me seven minutes, I'm gonna try to keep it for five minutes so we can get on this march and you don't have to stand here too, too long in the rain. But I wanna start by thanking all of you and whoever your support structure is, your husbands, your wives, who may not be able to be here because maybe they're watching kids. Uh, because ultimately, we are the land of the free, supposedly. And um, right now, there's probably some people here taking pictures of us. Eh. There's probably some people who are gonna try to get us in some trouble, but that's fine. Because again, as one of the previous speakers says, we have to be conscious of what is God gonna ask us. If you believe in God, and even if you don't, what are you gonna, what, what are your morals and what do you stand for? And so ultimately, there is nothing to be afraid of because if you truly believe that God is in control of everything, then you do what's right and you let him deal with the outcome. But we have to put the effort in and we have to stand behind. So I want to thank all of you for being here. And my phone screen just timed off. Hold on. <laughs> By the way, I am a UMass Amherst graduate, so thank you to the UMass team. I'm an alumni. If you need any help, let me know. I know a lot of people at UMass. Um, as we're standing here today and the rain is pouring on us and it's cold, we should pause and reflect. So I'm going to ask that we take 60 minutes, 60 seconds, just kidding, <laughs> 60 seconds to think about all this rain that's falling. Bombs right now are falling at the same velocity in Palestine. So I want everyone to take 60 minutes and close your eyes and pretend that you are in Palestine and in Gaza, and quite frankly, anywhere in the world where all this craziness is happening, because there's many places where this nonsense is happening, where bombs are falling indiscriminately and ripping families apart. So let's take 60 seconds, and every 10 seconds, remember that someone is dying in Gaza. In seconds, at least six people have died in Gaza. At least six, but we know that when the bombs are falling, entire families are being wiped out. So when you go home today, I'm going to ask everybody, and when you're leaving here today, pray to whichever God you pray to. And if you're part of the Abrahamic faith, and I'll talk about that in a minute here, whether you're Jewish, Christian, or Muslim, by the way, you all pray to the same God. So whatever you want to call God, you call God, but just pray. As an individual myself who comes from a family that's half Muslim and half Christian, and someone who has grown up with some very close Jewish friends, I know that this is, has nothing to do with religion. Because people of the book, people of the book, and people who know history and look at history know that religion has been used in this as a scapegoat for all the conflicts and all the bombs that have dropped. Because if we look at each other and we actually sit down and have a conversation, we'll realize that we have more similarities than we have differences. Until, and until we can put away the dollar dollar bill, yo, for our morals, this is going to continue. And, and if you just go to CNN, go to BBC, go to any news channel now and take a look at the news. The reporting is horrible. And that's why each of us, whoever said pull out your Facebook feed and pull out your Twitter and Instagram, that's what we need to keep doing. Keep flooding social media. And as much as, the, as much as you get banned and blacklisted and this and that or whatever, again, who cares? Who cares? Because if you can save one life, 
In our religion, it teaches us, and by the way, same thing in Judaism and same thing in Christianity. Taking one life is like taking the entire humanity and you go straight to hell. And if you save one life, you can save the whole of humanity. That's why, yes, we condemn any kind of terrorism. We condemn any kind of anti-Semitism. We condemn any kind of anti-Christianity. No, we promote all religions and we promote all beliefs. And ultimately, we know that if we all believe truly about just, I call it team humanity, it's not team Israel or team Palestine or team Bangladesh or team, I don't know, I'm gonna name all the countries now. It's called team humanity. There's a story on, uh, I don't remember what a news outlet it was, but it was famous and you can Google it. There was a teacher in New York City, and God bless her, she was Jewish. And uh, some of the parents were complaining because she wasn't, she was, the thing she was saying when you could, you could basically say that she was trying to, you know, say, hey, this war shouldn't be happening, why are you dropping bombs? So some parents started complaining. And then the superintendent asked her, so what team are you, Team Israel or Team Palestine? And she said, Team Humanity. And so when people confront you and they ask you, you say, I'm all about Team Humanity. Let that be your hashtag. I'm gonna end with this. So as they mentioned, I'm a senior rep from ISWM. We're one of the, we're the biggest uh, Islamic institution in Western Massachusetts. Um, we have over 3,000, probably close to 5,000, but at least over 3,000 members in our community. Many of these are American uh, Palestinians. Um, and uh, we know a couple of families whose entire families have been basically decimated. And again, just you know, just reflect on that and pause on that because we are so lucky to be here. No matter whatever situation you're in, you all, if you're in the United States of America, you're in the top 1% of the US, I mean of the world, sorry. Um, because ultimately so many places in the world and people in the world have nothing to eat. And, and again, if you're in a war-torn conflict, so we need to be thankful. And um, what I would ask everybody again to just think about before they leave here today is don't stop. Because we saw seven days of, uh, of ceasefire. Ironically, it happened during Black Friday, Summer Monday, and all the sales that have to happen. Isn't that just ironic? So anyways, and that worked by the way, but my point is keep doing what you're doing. And if there's anybody who has, needs any help or needs any resources or knows families who have been impacted by this or anything else, we're always open to helping. Our doors are always open for everybody. We're uh, very closely partnered with the greater interfaith community. And again, thank you everybody for being here.
So I'm going to talk about three things. First, super brief, putting into historical context the contemporary Zionist movement, because, spoiler, it was never about religion, ever. At no point was it about religion. And then we're going to briefly talk about the Jewish opposition to the contemporary Zionist movement that has existed since its beginning. And last, we're going to talk about the weird, pernicious, very powerful, yet rarely spoken of Christian Zionist movement. All right, so, um, super briefly, the Zionist is a Zionism is a political ideology that arose in the reconfiguration of nation states in Europe post, uh, in the late 19th century, heading into World War I as the Ottoman Empire was uh, breaking apart. And from the very beginning, it was a colonial project. In fact, from the very beginning, there were other places other than Palestine that were suggested for where Jews could have a homeland, including Uganda. And the reason that the Uganda plan was shut down was because white British settlers said, no, nah, we, don't, we don't want that. So, you know, from the very beginning, uh, there's no way to separate the contemporary Zionist movement with white European settler colonialism. Um, also from the beginning, the plan was for the less educated, less wealthy, Eastern European and Russian Jews to go down to Palestine to build out the infrastructure, to fight with indigenous populations, to make it safe for the Western European, more educated, richer elite. So racialized distinctions and class distinctions were built in, hard-baked from the very beginning, and they still are, and that is still a dominant aspect of Israeli society. Um, so, so, uh, as we know, Zionism has built an apartheid state where Palestinians, even Palestinians within Israel, are codified by law as second-class citizens, and law says that self-determination is only for Jews. Um, and Palestinians in the West Bank and Gaza are subject to military occupation, blockade, siege, martial law, a system of violent domination enabled by politics political and financial support from the United States. Boo! Okay, so given that it's been very apparent from the beginning of the contemporary Zionist movement that it's a colonial project, it has faced resistance from Jews from its very beginning. <clears throat> so for the most part, and there are some exceptions, but for the most part, for most of, uh, for so much of Jewish history, the idea of Israel was about longing. It was about a longing for home, but it wasn't tied to a specific place. Um, it wasn't. Uh, it wasn't part of a desire to, you know, have everyone relocate to Israel. Um, so mainstream rabbis in Western Europe in the in the 1910s, 1920s, they were writing letters to newspapers saying, "Zionism is a terrible idea. We've been fighting for centuries." to be citizens of England, citizens of Germany, citizens of France. Like, why are you saying that we don't belong here? We've lived here for generations. This is where we live. This is where our fight is. And you saying to the world that Jews don't belong anywhere except with each other is actually really anti-Semitic, right? So, and then if you look at 
different um, Jewish movements, like the Jewish Labor Bund, um, which was formed in the Russian Empire in the 19th century. It was like, here, I'm gonna read to you, uh, this was from an um, election poster in 1917 in Kiev. Where we live, there is our country. A democratic republic, full national and political rights for Jews. of Zionism and Judaism, as Jews have been doing from the get. Okay, so um, now let's, another sort of important point of evidence that the Zionist movement is not about religion, let's talk about Christian Zionism. So, okay, yeah, ooh, please. Okay, so Christian Zionism, uh, there's a, uh, the biggest Zionist organization in this country is not Jewish, it's Christian, called Christians United for Israel, and its founder said that Hitler was a hunter sent by God. I know, gross, right? A hunter sent by God to, to drive the Jews to Israel so that the coming of Christ would come faster. <laughs> So that organization has 10 million members in this country. Just that one organization. Guess how many Jews live in this country? Seven million. So there's more, there's more members in this one Christian Zionist organization than all the Jews in this country. There are more Christian Zionists in this country than all the Jews in the world. So they have so much money, they funnel so much money into this like project for Israel. They send volunteers and money to the Israeli settlements in the West Bank um, because they're like, look, you know, like the Jew, first the Jews need to have the whole, all the land and then Jesus will come and then maybe like a third of Jews will convert, the rest will die and go to hell. But that's fine because, you know, our Messiah will be here. I mean, this is actually the logic that funnels millions and millions and millions and millions of dollars to Israel. Does that sound, friendly to Jews? No. And when you combine, when you combine that insanity with the power that the Christian right has in this country and in this government, what you get is what we're seeing, right? Where you have all of these right-wing politicians who are claiming to be standing for Jews and with Jews when really they're standing for themselves and that's it. That's who they're standing with, themselves and their donors. So, as 
when we think about, you know, when we think about all these different truths about Zionism and how it is not Judaism, I just want to offer a distinctly Jewish prayer that I invite you all to, to say with me. Ready? Solidarity, Solidarity keeps, us safe. keeps us safe. Solidarity, Solidarity keeps, us safe. keeps us safe. Solidarity, Solidarity keeps, us safe. keeps us safe. Amen. Amen. That was Rachel Weber from Jewish Voice for Peace. You're listening to Out There on Valley Free Radio. Uh, I'm your host, Ruthie. I'm playing clips from a rally in support of Palestine on December 3rd in downtown Northampton in front of City Hall. Free, free Palestine! Free, free Palestine! Free, free Palestine! God, that feels good. <laughs> Our next speaker is a Palestinian-American who's joining us from Springfield. Her name is Dina. <laughs> Students, teachers, or the principal. We 
fled for our lives. I thought the only martyr that I would see in the war is this tree. But as soon as I got home, there were four martyrs in our street, as though waiting for me to say goodbye to them. When I was done with that, three more martyrs from the same family in our street arrived. As soon as we buried them and returned, our neighbor's house, two houses down the street, was bombed by the army and the house was wiped off the ground. Everyone died. I felt most sad for the little girls. I felt the war was targeting me alone, one of all the people in Gaza. All day, I'd been seeing martyrs. In the Shifa hospital, I saw a sight that I will never forget. Hundreds of corpses, one on top of the other, their flesh, their blood, and their bones all melting on each other. You, you wouldn't know the woman from the man or even the child. Piles of flesh on the beds, and lots of people screaming and crying, not knowing when their kids are, where their kids are, their men or their women. That night, I came home from hospital and was awake till morning from fear. I thought that it would only be that night that I couldn't sleep, but till today I see them in front of me and I can't sleep. Next I'm going to read a poem that I wrote when I was about 11. Uh, it's very quick. It's simply called Palestine. Palestine, a land that's my own, got completely turned into a terror zone. Palestine, supposedly the peaceful land, now has been given to a tyrannical hand. Palestine, only originally a Mediterranean paradise, is now occupied and controlled with terror in disguise. Palestine, a land which I wish could belong to me alone, has been completely turned into a war zone. small and 
so many incidences far worse than that that happen on a daily basis that oftentimes people don't even report it. Um, those are the little things that you don't hear about on the news or anywhere else, and you kind of have to hear it from people who have experienced it themselves. Um, so, yeah, I mean, my prayers are with my country and my people, and I appreciate all of your guys' prayers. Palestine hears you guys, Palestinians hear you guys, and I can say that for a free, a free Palestine in my lifetime. So, thank you. That was Dina from Springfield. You're listening to Out There on Valley Free Radio. I'm your host, Ruthie. I've, play, I've been playing clips from a rally in downtown Northampton on December 3rd, uh, supporting a ceasefire in Palestine. Coming up tomorrow, tomorrow, Saturday, December 16th, there will be a 25-mile march for Palestine. People are welcome to join any part of it, any of it, or all of it. No one's expected to do all of it, say the organizers. But it's going from Northampton to Springfield via East Hampton and Holyoke and West Springfield, leaving Jim McGovern's office on Pleasant Street at 6 o'clock tomorrow morning, Saturday morning. Uh, if you're a regular out there listener, that means that, well, I'm going on that March. That means that there will not be Bike Lab tomorrow. No Bike Lab tomorrow, December 16th. I guess there probably will be next Saturday. Ah, you can check the Pedal People site. Just go to Pedal People and look for Bike Lab. I try to keep that updated. Um, and anything else I want to say before the time is up? Oh, I had said previously that the march to Springfield was just going down Route 5 from the Oxbow to West Springfield, but actually it's going through uh, downtown Holyoke, down like Lincoln, Lincoln Street, Lincoln Ave, Lincoln Street, and then Lincoln and Dwight to um, Main Street and the Main Street where it connects, following Main Street till it connects back up with, uh, with Route 5. And there'll be a lunch stop, uh, the lunch, a lunch stop at the at Veterans Park there in Holyoke. If people want to join, Jewish Voice for Peace is one of the main organizers. So there's probably more information on that site or whatever. If you want to listen to archived editions of Out There, go to weatherbeard.com slash out there. Stay tuned for Democracy Now! coming up at 5 o'clock. Here's Marvin Gaye. On the oceans and upon our seas, fish full of mercury. Oh, oh, mercy, mercy, me. All things ain't what they used to be. Radiation underground and in the sky. Animals and birds who live nearby. Oh, 
Can't you stand that? Ooh, 